Los Angeles, California, every Thursday at 4 p.m. I'm Bill Gross. I am the LAProbateExpert.com. And we do this as a mastermind amongst agents to share best practices, to work together, encourage each other, investors, wholesalers who along the way you're reading lead gen, find a problem related to title that probate can help. And um, we work together to solve those problems, push each other from all across the United States. Last month I was in New York. Next week, a week from today, I'll be in Florida, both very active probate markets, and we want to expand our networking and do some referrals nationally and things like that. And before I cut over, I have a little bit of content to start off today with, but I thought I may, might share a actual uh, real life example of what happens uh, in the probate business. I'm literally in the process of getting two listings. One of the listings, um, interestingly enough, there is a probate on one side and there's not one but two trusts on the other. And so one of the challenges on the documents is getting all three parties on and then it's the same attorney signing for two of them. And so of course he get, comes time for him to sign the documents and he says, hey, you only had me sign one and no, it's really two, but the way DocuSign works, you sign one, then you sign the other. So one thing I would say about probate is really if you're starting in real estate, you have to really know the tools. You know, I, I consider myself an expert in probate real estate because I've mastered a lot of the basics of real estate sales. It's hard to be an expert in probate real estate if you don't know how to do the listing contracts and the documents and disclosures and things like that. So the first thing I always tell people is if you're brand new, unless you're working with a listing agent that has all that stuff down, you're going to get pushed to the limit uh, as a listing agent. You want to make sure you know how to convert those things. I had another uh, phone call just recently with an attorney uh, who called me up. And this is a case where there's a deed from one party to another before ours. And the deed has a typo on the APN and a typo on the track number. So how's that one? Not one, but two typos. Now I've seen, I'm not an attorney, but I'll tell you my experience. I've seen that when there's a typo on the APN, right, the assessor's parcel number, that's really more for convenience for filing for the county. I've seen the case where the court and I've seen title companies say, we'll accept it as long as the legal description is correct. And in this case, legal description would have been correct, but of course, there's one typo, one digit transposed on the track number. So you have all the gobbledygook of the, of the description, so much of this track, so much of that lot, block, whatever, but one number is transposed with another number as well on the same document that the APN's wrong. And so she sends that to me and I explained to her, well, the reality is it's really up to the title company to insure it or not. And so we said to my favorite title rep, Kevin Sales, who really is the title expert when it comes to probate, trains attorneys in LA County on how to avoid problems in probate. And so um, uh, we'll see. And if they say we can insure it, we're good. If he says we can't insure it, then we're not good and we'll have to figure out what to do at that point. A high shout out to Sabrina Rose from Alabama. Uh, in Al you know, in Birmingham, um, Sabrina, they love the governor. I don't know if you know that or not. From a famous song, I thought I'd throw that out there. So that's the real world, uh, being a probate agent, the real world is you get questions on title, you get questions on documents, you deal with multiple parties and everybody has the way they want things uh, done properly. And so um, that's what you have to learn how to master if you wanna be successful in probate real estate. Um, before I go on, I wanna share a little bit about the 11 ways to get business in probate. But before I do, any questions I might just cover as far as the APN, the legal description, I went through that pretty quickly, but my point of all that was not to train you on correcting title, uh, but it was more about to say, those are the things that come up for an agent in probate real estate. Any questions on that real, real quick? No? I will tell you the more you, um, the more that you uh, participate, the more money you make. And that's true whether it be on this call or any other call. Camera on makes more money than camera off. Uh, unmuted and participating makes more money than muted, just for what it's worth. So. You wanna to try to give to the group if you can. That's what I'm doing, is trying to be of assistance and support to those of you on the call. Uh, but I wanna urge you all to participate as well. Any questions before I go on? As far as the title, I talked about the differences in an APN and a legal description. Not seeing any. Uh, Monica asked my contact info. Sure, well, first my website's thelaprobateexpert.com, thelaprobateexpert.com. 
Um, and you're certainly welcome to go there and, and see a, a resources they have and such. And anybody on the call, you're welcome to text me or call me or email me. I'll put my info in the chat box. My phone number is 310-210-0008, 310-210-0008. I always find it surprising how many real estate agents kind of hide their phone number and email from their websites. I think how many, how many emails can you really get? How many phone calls can you really get that you can't uh, manage somehow efficiently? But I guess that's how it all goes. Um, okay, so Giselle's asking for live transcription to be enabled. Yeah, why not? Try live transcription and see if that works. Giselle, good idea. Okay, good. So I want to start off today uh, with a little bit of content. Um, and one of my theses is, uh, thesis, multiple theses, is that um, there are 11 different ways to generate listings or sales in probate that the vendors will, for the most part, sell one of two ways, or they'll sell you the data and suggest one of two ways. I'm going to suggest to you there's actually 11 ways that I've identified, any one of which you can make a business about. I recommend two or three that work together and are synergistic for you rather than uh, separate streams of income. I'd recommend that you work on them together. But all that said, I would recommend uh, uh, that you consider the 11. In fact, if somebody's starting in probate business, I usually recommend, why not review all the ways to make the business, get the best one that works for you, and then work that one. That's what I did. Uh, and so we'll go through, and I actually have a video in my YouTube, um, the 11 ways, all 11 ways at one time. But we're going to cover today number one, because we're going to start over again. And number one is pre-probate. What do I mean by pre-probate? There are companies like Pro, uh, Probate uh, Daily uh, and I believe Land Voice and several other data companies will sell you what they call pre-probate. Those are really people who've passed and that data is cross-referenced to property ownership. And so what they're saying is somebody's passed who owns a property and you can uh, possibly get the property if you get them to agree to work with you um, as a listing. And I think the reason why I like that way, now I will say that I get that data and I work with investors and wholesalers who market that more intensely than I do. And they cross-reference that data with city um, citations, with uh, mortgage uh, lates, with property tax sales, because they're looking for two or three different criteria before they're gonna go forward. But the reason I like that data in particular is because you're catching them before they're tied into an attorney. And I believe I can create a lot of value by helping somebody get the right attorney. I get asked regularly uh, for referral to an attorney. And I always say to them, well, tell me more about your transaction. Tell me more about the party, male, female, where they live, how many, where are the assets in the estate? How many errors are there? Is there likely to be litigation? Because really, in some ways, um, attorneys are like realtors. They have a wide license, but they all kind of have a separate way of doing things and where they work best. They're what I would call kind of their kill zone, their best area of strength. And not every attorney in probate is good for every probate case. In fact, the opposite, most of them are better off more in a niche. And I would say a good chunk of people should be with some sort of a probate service. I had on this, uh, on this call in the past, I've interviewed easy-probate.com. They're like a self-help service, fantastic, inexpensive. There's another level up, my um, legal, ooh, my, ooh, uh, Crystal Hill out of Long Beach leads a group where it's like a self-help and you pay a certain amount monthly and they help you through with a paralegal and then a tree steps in if you need it. So there's, that's like a middle level. And then the last level would be if you really need an attorney, if you have siblings fighting or potential litigation, then you need to get and attorneys can help you with that. And that would be a litigation attorney. And they're not the same. The same attorney won't necessarily be best for one case as for another. And there's personalities and income and geography. Certainly pre-COVID, people wanted to go to an office. Now COVID, most everybody sets it up. So I want to share with you, there's a couple of different strategies on how to work pre-probates. And I, but I like it because it puts me in the driver's seat in the beginning of the transaction rather than competing with a lot of other agents, and then having an attorney to hurdle over, perhaps, to get the listing to come with me. So one thing I would say is this particular strategy works really well with investors, wholesalers, and realtors. And so you might want to partner up with, if you're a realtor, 
find an investor wholesaler to work with. If you're an investor wholesaler, find a realtor, a good looking one like me perhaps, to work in your area to help you share some of the marketing costs, expenses. And I also call it two bites to the apple because if you're calling them as an investor and I'm calling them as a realtor, you miss them, I catch them. I talk about, oh, you wanna to go to a wholesaler or investor, I got a guy for you. Investor talks to them, oh, you want a list? I got a guy for you. And we work together more effectively. And I wanna say that's probably one of my best lead sources is working with investors and wholesalers in that manner. But you wanna work as a team. <clears throat> the, uh, the data, when you talk to them, you know a probate's gonna be needed, most likely, because if it's held in a trust, of course, it doesn't need probate, most likely. But if it's not, most likely it needs to be uh, probated. And so you can find out and uh, check probate sources. And I have wholesalers, investors call me, hey, is this in probate or what's going on with it? And I try to see if I can find the status of it. Sometimes they've been in probate for a year or two already. And so the old pre-probates are still good as well. So, um, and that's a case where it's stuck in the mud. Their attorney dropped the ball. Their attorney kind of lost steam. Here's an interesting statistic. When I download Los Angeles County, 95% of probate cases are done by an attorney who's done one transaction or less in the last 12 months. One or less in the last 12 months. So let me ask you guys, how good could you be if you do one a year? If you think good, put in good in the chat box. If you think really good, put really good. If you think uh, trouble, type in the word trouble in the chat box. Let's participate here and see what you think. If an attorney only does one probate in the last year or none, is it gonna be great, good, average, or trouble? What do you think? And I would say most attorneys are pretty smart. You have to be to go to law school and, and pass a law degree, but that doesn't mean you're a good probate attorney because most of the administration of the probate is just paperwork. In fact, the best probate attorneys really typically have the best paralegal to do the work for them, right? Trouble, yeah. Josephine, exactly. Uh, Joanne, yes, Ed, trouble. So definitely, this is why pre-probate is such a rich opportunity for us real estate agents is we can help steer them. They're gonna call the attorney they know and like. He's the guy who did their DWI, or he's the guy who did their civil litigation, or he's the guy who did the divorce, or he's the guy who, whatever, did their, their uh, uh, adoption papers. Great attorney, might be a great person, but not a great probate specialist. And that's really what you need in this business to keep the cost down and get the best results. So um, you want to check and see if it's in a probate. Then you want to come from being of service. And I'll tell you that some of these people are pretty raw when you call them or reach out to them. You know, there are people who are like me in sales. So when I get a phone call from a salesperson, I don't begrudge the guy or gal calling me. That's their job, right? They get paid to call. And most of us on the call here today, at some level, are salespeople. We call people, we mail, whatever. We don't begrudge somebody soliciting us. But m most of the rest of the world's not. And their people are very negative. You call them and they just, I had a guy call me yesterday. One of my team members had called the database list. And you know, he's saying, shame on you for trolling people who file probate. And I said to him, well, the people who I've helped appreciate those phone calls. I'm sorry you feel that way. There's no convincing that guy he's wrong. He believes any salesperson is an evil person just trying to make money from the customer. I don't believe that. I believe most of the, Real estate agents are average or below, or by definition average. I'm way above average and I'm servicing somebody by helping them get my superior service. You have to believe that about yourself. If you believe you're really coming from being a service, then you owe it to people to give them a call. But in particular, when you talk to pre-probates, you have to be coming from service. How can we help you? Where are you at in the process? I can tell you my aunt just passed away. And uh, I'm one of the heirs. Uh, she had no children, no spouse. And um, my sister is the administrator. Now my sister is, was very successful in business. She's married to very successful businessmen. They raised three kids. They live in Brentwood. You know, they live in one of those really nice houses we all dream about. They, they've, you know, she's done really well in life. But this process is very frustrating for her. Even a successful, college-educated, smart-as-a-whip woman is frantic when she finds out something's not done the way that she expected. Any human being is. And so we need to come from being a service to understand that part of that frantic is not, it's not just incompetence. It's not incompetence. It's a way to express the pain they're in over the situation. 
It's hard to mourn. It's easier to get frustrated. You follow me with the bank or whatever's going on. And so our job is to come from being of service to helping people. So here's what I'm going to say to you. I do this call to be of service. I get people all the time. Some of you on the call may have received my phone call. When you sign up, I call you to reach out to confirm, introduce myself and see how I can help you. And I get people all the time saying, oh, you're just doing this to recruit me. Well, no, I'm not. I mean, I do work for a company that I'm proud of. I'm glad to talk to you if you want to change companies, but I think any of you who've been on this phone call know I've never recruited anybody on this phone call. I just don't do that. I don't need to. But I, and same thing with uh, prospective petitioners. How people say, oh, you just call me because you want to get paid money for selling my house. Well, it's true. I get paid to sell people's houses. But I'm looking for people who need my service. That's what I'm looking for. And when I find them, they pick me to list the house and I sell it. You know, I had a client call me today because he, he had somebody else who offered it for less, but he wanted my expertise. That's what we want. So you need to, when you call these people, you need to know something about the probate process, at least enough to know how to save them some money. And what I can tell people is the average probate in LA County for just a million dollar house that might have a $500,000 loan on it. So it's only worth $500,000. That probate alone is going to cost about $23,000 in legal fees. I can save you $21,000 of that with a company that I've worked with and I can help walk you through the process. Is that something you'd like some help with? Now, truth is anybody can find them. The problem is there are a lot of companies who offer that service online. There's very few that are really any good. And my job as a professional is to tell the client, this is the one that's good. This is the one I've worked with. This is the one that made happy customers like you. Do you follow me? Okay, so come from being of service. Now, pre-probates, you can approach a bunch of different ways. You can door knock them. You can call them on the phone. You can mail the material. You can social media to them, right? Once you have their name and address, there's ways you can send Facebook ads and target them or YouTube or whatever. So it's no different than any other marketing activity. Let's see. Uh, Tashia says, I didn't get a call. I'm already XP. The truth is, I will say, that if you're already with the XP, I don't call you to confirm because you're in the probate group on Mondays as well. That's an added benefit for being with the XP that I, that I um, assume then you'll figure out who I am and, and what, what I'm trying to do. Um, okay, so here's four challenges though when you uh, go after pre-probates. Number one, the title's unclear. All you have now is somebody who says uh, they have a property or thinks they have a property to sell. It doesn't mean they do, and they haven't started the process really of checking title. And in many cases, there's older deeds. There's a deed by a brother from 10 years ago. The, the parents tried to deed it out from, to one of the kids to avoid probate. So the title can be unclear. You need to research the chain title and have a good title rep who can help you uh, to do that. Um, second is it's sometimes hard to get people into action. You know, I, I think that we in real estate, we call people on a Monday we expect them to sign a contract on Tuesday. And the reality is most people just don't work that quickly. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't follow up the next day. That means that we need to understand when people aren't ready to move the next day, that we have to continue to be in process with them. And where we as salespeople fall down is we don't have an ongoing marketing system to stay in touch with these people. Too much of it is we call them, we call them, then we lose a piece of paper, we never call them again. And that's why anybody I talk to, I have a database and I put them in my email database as well as hopefully they subscribe to this call, they subscribe to my YouTube channel, and then I'm, they're getting uh, marketing material from me on a regular basis. So that's the power of technology if you use it. And I think you, everybody should have some method for keeping in touch with everybody you meet so nobody falls through the cracks. Um, okay, so it's hard to get people into action. Number three is sometimes, sometimes there's multiple people. You know, you call Joe and Joe uh, says, yeah, my parents passed and we had this property, but Joe has two or three other siblings and one lives in Colorado and he just, you know, either he's rich and doesn't care or he's checked out of life and isn't that anxious to do anything. And so it happens that we have multiple parties that we have to work with and that could be a challenge. And so I tell people probate is a long tail. Real estate is a long tail as well. So now you're a long tail and a long tail and you have to be understand that and keep your pipeline full 
of leads and full of business so that you're doing your job, you're not pressured to get something in a contract because things are always coming to fruition. I got a listing signed literally an hour ago that I thought I was gonna have two months ago. Every day for two months I expected it. Just didn't work out that way, but I got it today. So it's a process of a long tail. We have to have a system to work through that and there's multiple people involved. And the last one is, it sounds complicated. Talking to somebody who their parents passed or their uncle passed, they have a property, they may not know where it is, they may not have the keys, they may not, there might be a squatter, it might be an old girlfriend. There's, there's almost always complications. And so you have to either approach this business as your job is solving problems or you're gonna get stuck and frustrated and back off doing your job. And so I tell people all the time, I've said this on this call, we get paid to solve problems. If it was easy, everybody would do it. If it was easy, you would go to Amazon, click, click, and get the listing, and you'd pay the price. But it's not easy. It requires expertise, hard work, follow-up, persistence, knowledge. And so because it's complicated, it sounds complicated, we have to have a system in place to help us push through that difficulty to get over those obstacles. But keep in mind, when you jump over an obstacle, your competition's behind you, that obstacle. You jump over a second obstacle, now they're behind you by two obstacles. And that's why I like when there's problems. I like when there's challenges to title. I like when the deed has two typos on it. There's not many people in LA that would even decipher that, but I know exactly what to do. That's what you're looking for. Now, for those of you who don't know all that, if you're an investor, wholesaler, I'd love to work with you. And if you're a realtor, you want to split a listing or something, be glad to, but you even have to do that. Call me with a question. I find 90% of the time, agents call me, I can unravel a problem for you with just a quick phone call. I'm glad to do it at no charge. Sometimes you want somebody to co-list with you, and I'm glad to do that too, of course. But you don't have to. And so I sincerely say this, and I deal with this every day, that if you have a particular problem and questions on it, that's why I have this call. Is either bring it up here online or call me, text me, email me, and send me your problem afterwards. And so if you're working pre-probates in particular, whether you're an investor or a wholesaler or an agent, feel free to reach out. I'd be glad to help you with that. So the solutions in, in pre-probate is a couple. One is you want multiple people involved. The beauty of having a wholesaler, investor, and you is now there's two of you solving problems rather than just one of you. Also, there's, you have to have multiple solutions. What I call is your toolbox. So one toolbox I have is money. I have cash and I have credit I can advance when it makes sense. I have attorneys I know, and I have paralegals I know, I have legal services that I can bring to bear to help my clients. If they need an eviction, I can help with an eviction service. Trash out, I got a trash out guy. Those are my toolbox. And so you wanna to have tools in your toolbox in addition to money and legal services, administrative support. Oftentimes I'll tell attorneys, hey, I can do that for you. Now, truth is, I said to my virtual assistant, she does all the heavy lifting of the typing and copying and pasting and or whatever, but typing up, making lists, going through the tax returns, make a list of all the bank accounts. We do that for attorney services all the time. Emotional support. I tell agents, you need to be, uh, Johnny, good question, I wanna get right to that. Um, uh, you need to be the calm port in the storm. Because some people, and, and realtors I think are particularly guilty of this, feel like our, our, we want to go through life just expressing whatever emotions come up. To me, that's a little narcissistic, a little self-centered. I would much rather be of service to other people, and sometimes being of service is nothing more than me shutting up and listening to the other person and allowing them to express their emotion and their pain. Now, I do this much better in business than I do as a husband, but I think it's the same process as a spouse. 90% for me of being a better husband is talking less and listening more and giving my wife space to, to share her feelings and her emotions. In business, that's certainly the case. That sometimes it's just being there. I've had plenty of people tell me, Bill, you're so supportive emotionally. I really appreciate you. And I feel like, well, don't my wife heard that because she's going to say, well, where am I in that equation? Um, but really being emotional support is important, particularly in probate. And I don't mean just the person who's grieving, though that's part of life. I have lost both my parents and an aunt. My wife has lost both her parents. I went through that process with her. But it's not just that. 
most people, real estate is a very emotional process. Talking about a lot of money, I heard Tony Robbins once say that in California, in LA in particular, people will easily talk about things that otherwise are embarrassing sexually, but in LA, they're embarrassed to talk about money. And money gets very emotional for most people. So we have to know that, whether you're an investor, wholesaler, or real estate agent, know that people get very emotional when we talk about money. They get demanding, they get victimy, they assume you're going to cheat them. You need to learn how to uh, give them the room to have their emotions and not get cut, up, get cut up in that. Well, the best books I ever read in the subject was called A Course in Miracles. So it's a hugely successful book. It's a movement, in fact. And one of the lines in that book is all communication is either an expression of love or a cry for help. All, all communication is either an expression of love or a call for help. And so if somebody's yelling at you by definition, it's not an expression of love, is it? What is it? Just for practice, type in the chat box. If it's not an expression of love, what is it? It's a, let me say the quote one more time because I think it's that important. All communication is either an expression of love or a cry for help. Exactly, uh, Jess. Exactly, uh, Rimuralis. If it's not an expression of love, then when somebody is yelling at you, upset with you, frustrated, it's really a cry for help. And we have to hear it is a cry for help, not as an attack on us. They're not really attacking us. They're just crying for help. And so that's about the emotional support. You need to listen to your prospects. So let's recap uh, uh, pre-probates real quick. I talked about the strategies working with other people, investors, wholesalers, agents, working as a team, two bites of the apple. We talked about uh, checking to see if there is a probate filed yet or not. We talked about coming from being a service. You can approach them via door, phone, mail, social media, like all the other sources. The challenges are titles often unclear, hard to get people in action sometimes, or can be a challenge. There's multiple people involved in the transaction, and it sounds complicated. And the solutions are get multiple people to help, have multiple tools in your toolbox, um, provide administrative support and emotional support. And the most important thing is, yes, listen to people because most communication, it's, if it's not a expression of love, it's a uh, yes, just Brian, uh, and yes, indeed, it's a cry for help. And they put in the chat box. Okay, so I have some questions in the chat box I want to cover real fast because I, I kind of talked a lot more than I really like to. Um, but there you go. Um, Thank you. Charmy, thank you for your nice comment. Um, Johnny Corona asks, how do I feel about probate money? I love probate money, probatemoney.com. I interviewed probate money, um, uh, the CTO of probate money, um, I want to say last week. It's my YouTube channel for about 30 minutes. I went to it in detail. I use it almost every day. Uh, probate money is a source of data that you can use to download and email or call or whatever you want to do. It's a CRM, you'll keep all your leads there for you. Um, it's also a good research tool. If you get, you have the name of the attorney or see and you can look it up and see if it's a probate. If you sign up and use my name as a promo code, Bill Gross, no space, um, they'll give you 200 extra downloads a month. So depending on the plan you go for, you get like 200 or 500 downloads, but if you, um, Put in my promo code, I don't get any money out of it. I don't accept any affiliate income at this time, but uh, you'll get 200 extra downloads to your database for whatever marketing you're doing. If you go to my website, um, uh, vlaprobateexpert.com, on the far right, there's data sources, and I, I list a bunch of them there, uh, as well as a link to the interview, or if you go to my YouTube channel, uh, which is uh, probateweeklyepisodes.com, you'll see there uh, prior episodes, that's my YouTube channel as well. Okay, so that was a question on probate money. I'm a, I'm a fan. Probate money is owned, or I, I don't know the exact terminology, but affiliated with uh, Paul Horn. Paul Horn, I believe, is the most prolific probate attorney in Los Angeles County by numbers of cases. Certainly an expert. He is the author of the CAR, California Association of Realtor, certification in probate. And then his data source is... Uh, both a great tool and has some training classes. I don't really like the training classes and how to get business. I don't think those are particularly valuable. I, that's what I try to fill in that gap. 
But I do think his class on uh, his certification is great. He does a very good job of laying out the process and explaining the key terminologies and processes. Um, we got another question, um, Johnny. Why can't you be the investor or wholesaler yourself? So, Johnny, I'm not sure I understand your question. If you could unmute, are you asking, can I, Bill Gross, be both the realtor and investor wholesaler? Is that your question? Not hearing Johnny. Um, I don't know if you're able to talk or not because he's muted. Let's check real quick. Johnny, are you there? Are you able to unmute? You asked me, why can't you be an investor wholesaler yourself? So I'll say this. I, as a real estate agent, don't like to double in transactions. Uh, I will say when I sign a listing, my undying loyalty is to that client. And the only way I'll ever represent a buyer on a listing of mine is if by doing that helps my seller who I'm already under contract to. So sometimes the buyer calls me and it's easier, faster, better for my seller for me to double end it. I'll do that. Sometimes on small properties, the other agent just isn't gonna put the time and attention to do it properly. I'll double end, I, I, I double ended a couple $5,000 um, uh, vacant land lots just as a service to my customer. I have double ended when I went out and I presented a property as a listing to a new client and they go, wow, that's exactly what we want to buy. We want to buy it. Well, who's going to represent them at that point? I have to. So I call my seller and say, are you okay with this? Even though this, they've signed the form allowing me to, I don't care what the form says. I need to know my client understands exactly what all that means. But the buyer was very sophisticated. And so I didn't feel like I, it would put me in a position of conflict on a, on a vacant land. On a house, I don't know how you do both. I just don't understand it. I'm a smart guy. And so the answer there is generally I won't. Now, if I approach a seller and I'm an agent and I initially approach them as an agent, they're entitled to expect me to represent them, right? If I'm door knocking and I meet somebody who owns a house and I start talking to them, I tell them I'm with the XP Realty. They, they are entitled to assume I'm a real estate agent and I'm gonna treat them fairly and ethically and to some degree might be acting as their agent as we talk about selling the house. So if I initially approach them, I won't also invest in it. However, I've had investors and wholesalers bring me deals where I'll act as the wholesaler investor, I'll buy the property, I'll lend money in the property or be the agent, but I won't do both when I meet the client. In my, in my book, uh, when I meet them, I'm one or the other. I know the people who do both. I'm not here to question them. I don't know how they do it. I don't understand emotionally how you can justify that. Kathy Ryan says, is probate money better than probate data? Well, you know, I'd say they're, they're different. Uh, probate data sends you the data automatically weekly in CSV format. I actually subscribe to both, to be truthful. Why? Because I get that via email and I have an automation where it goes out to different team members for me and gets integrated in my data system right away. Probate money, you have to go in and you have to download it. And you can only download a certain number uh, every month. And when I started with them, I needed more than they would let me access a month. So to be honest, I think either one would give it to me for free now, but I'd rather not do that because I'm making good money. I appreciate the support. When I call them with a problem, both those companies you know, give everybody, but me in particular, great support. So um, at this point, I subscribe to both probate money and probate data and probate daily for their pre-probates. Um, which one's better? I'd say they're different. It depends on how you're gonna use it. And here's the thing I wanna say, I was gonna, uh, I made a list of videos I wanna record. One I wanna record is how I built my probate business. And I'll just share with you, I think this question is part of a bigger answer. When I started, I started uh, two years ago, March. So let's say two, I'm sorry, two years ago, November. So oh, two and a half years ago. I'd been in uh, management, consulting, coaching, recruiting, and went back into production, not by my choice. Both companies I'd worked for back to back had started to have some challenges, some management challenges, and uh, it was time for me to move on. So I went back into production and had to start from scratch. I didn't have any listings, I didn't have any sales, I had any buyers. And what I did was I took a full week and wrote out a business plan. When I tell agencies, I think you need to spend some time really writing out a plan, what are you gonna do? Too often we're busy and then we're desperate. We didn't get any business this week and we get an email promoting a service and we subscribe to it. 
but it doesn't really fit into our business plan. And so I would ask you, Kathy, what are you going to do with the data that you subscribe, whether it be probate money or probate data? Are you going to mail it to them? Are you going to do social media and use those addresses to figure those out? Well, are you going to I, call them? Go ahead. I Well, I have a plan and a marketing system, and I mail and I call and I mail and I call. Um, I've been doing it now since April. I haven't, it's been a process I've gotten to decent leads one of them went and listed with another agent but i still have one so far so i don't know if you know maybe tweak my system might tweak my letters i don't know but that's what i've been doing mailing and calling and how long since april so i would definitely say you have to give it six months to really evaluate okay. Now you're 951, does that mean you're doing Riverside County, San Bernardino, Orange, what counties you're doing? I'm Riverside County. I don't get data in Riverside County, so I can't give you a scientific answer. But you know, I've done, when I started, I subscribed to several and tested them and compared. When I downloaded which ones had more, which ones had less. There's another data source actually that you should consider successors data. I haven't yet interviewed the owner, I'm sorry? I have that one too. I haven't started marketing to it, but I have it. Okay, um, I, I, again, I can't speak scientifically which one was better or worse, but I think that one's gonna be more data. Uh, if it's in a format that you can work with, I think it'd be better. And then do you import that into your CRM? Do you use KV Core or some other CRM? Um, for my mailing, I use Top Producer. Okay. So it, it merges you know, the letters and all I have to do is click a button and print everything out. Okay, so all of them come in CSV, that goes right into your, your right. Top Producer. Right. So yeah, so as long as you get in CRV, a CSV format, it doesn't matter. I, if you're using Top Producer, you might not use probate data's CRM features. I think that's probably not a value to you. So the main thing is um, once you've imported all the data, you can also search in your CRM if you have the decedent's name or the attorney's name or the property address. So the probate money might not be as valuable to you if you're doing that uh, as somebody else. So I would say in your case, uh, probate data, uh, um, probate daily and or successors data would be your best choices for the value of what you're trying to get. Okay. Now, I know successors data also pulls the you know, properties that have trusts, that have living trusts. So would you suggest marketing to those differently than for probate? So yes, because they're different. So generally speaking, living trust just means that somebody passed, you may or may not know that. If you happen to know that, um, but they've already set it up to answer the question, what do we do with it? And mm -hmm. so you don't have the same need for expertise most of the time. There's exceptions to that. So for trust, I would say there's two ways to look at it. One is you're getting a good list of owners of property, of higher end property and more sophisticated sellers. So that's what that is. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, out of a hundred, there's one or a thousand, there's two or three maybe that are um, trusts that have multiple properties. They're very valuable and they're being administered by a fiduciary that can be an extremely valuable relationship. I call that big game hunting. So if I was younger, I'm 62 and a half. So for me, I'm not looking to start the path of relations that might take me five years or three years to develop. But as a younger agent, I might go to things like fiduciary and trust um, networking groups and market to those people who have what I call the big game people. The number one real estate agent in LA was a paralegal and she has a couple key relations with a couple of the biggest fiduciaries in LA. And she gets some great business as a result, well-earned, and she's had it for 20 years. Yeah. But it would take years to, I think, to unseat her with those people um, that said, I might add that to my business when I was younger, but that's just not my playbook today. Okay, great. Thank you. Sure. Um, I took my question, Kathy, uh, Tasha. Okay, good. And what else? Could you repeat the info for probate class? Charmy, I don't know. I remember what the question, what the info was. Are you asking about the CAR uh, certification program? Hi, Bill. Yes, I think that was a CR certification program. Sorry, I thought it was yeah. like a probate class. Oh, it is. It's a class. Uh, 
So as a real estate agent, California Association of Realtors has a class that certifies probate experts. I don't know. I don't think certification is worth anything. I think the knowledge is worth everything. And I think Paul's class is very good on teaching you the basics, the timeline, the terminology of probate. I think it's either $99 or $129, depending on where you take it. And it comes with a certificate and you can put it in your email that you're certified or whatever that does. I think I have five certifications. I have one in my email that I use as the first one. But I do think uh, he in particular does a really good job of describing the probate process and, and teaching, you know, what's an executor versus administrator, what's a trust, those kinds of things. Okay. Thank you. Sure, Tony, anytime. Um, Chris asked, do I also invest in probate properties? So the answer is yes, I bought and flipped a couple of them last year, a couple so far this year. I'm not a buy hold investor. You know, it's really weird to say this, but I just don't like tenants. I don't like, in my own house, I don't like fixing things. Um, I, it's just, you know, you have to know what you're good at. I like numbers. I like deals. Uh, and so for me, if I could buy a property in probate and clean it out, you know, I, I'll call 1-800-JUNK-SERVICE and then call Molly Maids and they clean it up and put it back in the market, resell it, I'll do that. Uh, anything else more work than that, I'm going to call an investor and flip the property that way. I might advance some money. I might take an interest in the deal with somebody. But basically, I'm not a buy and hold investor. It's just not, I know it sounds crazy. I'm in real estate, but I just don't like it. I just don't like the, um, I make a good money flipping properties. I'd rather have my money available. I mean, I invested in two deals this year, the same $50,000 over and over again. And between the two of them made about $120,000. So I over double, triple my money. Um, I'd rather make money that way than, than holding the property. Do your probate client, this is also from Chris, do your probate clients ever have an interest in pre-sale renovations to maximize proceeds instead of selling it as an investor? So Chris has a really good question. Um, might you go to a estate that has a property? Most of them are worn out and need to be fixed or worked or something like that. Do I, um, let's see here. Um, okay, so uh, do I, uh, does the estate ever borrow money and basically you're doing renovation work to maximize the retail value of the property. You know, one of the things in life in business is if you are a hammer, then all of life looks to you as a nail. There is a real estate agent, I think it's based on Long Beach. That's their special sauce. That's their magic. Is they're into lending money to estates and doing the work. And then they make money on that, obviously. And if a seller wants to do that, and that's their pitch in the beginning, they kind of tie in that relationship in the very beginning, there's less competition. Um, the truth is that most estates really aren't set up to do that, uh, other than cleaning out the property, um, getting rid of all the junk and cleaning it and making it presentable, getting photos, getting market ready. There's not a lot that you can do as a, as a retail client to fix up and sell it, make a profit. Now, I understand the last few years, people did that, made money, but Everything went up 10% per year last year, for the last couple of years. And so everybody was a genius who fixed properties up in the last couple of years. But the reality is they didn't increase the value of the property by more than the property would have got up otherwise. It was a great magazine, remodeling magazine. It's online. And what it does is you can go in there and check different areas, different parts of the country, different remodeling jobs and see what return on investment you get for that work. So for example, it will say, you know, redoing the flooring. And typically you'll get between 65 and 85 cents for each dollar you invest in the property back by doing the improvements. Now, the few exceptions are garage doors that are beaten up, replacing them, front doors beaten up, replacing them. We're not talking about cleanup. Cleanup 100% makes sense. But once you clean up the property, there's very few things you really can do in my opinion, they're really gonna add value as a retail um, rehabber. Now, as a wholesaler, people have three or four crews at a time and buy in bulk and have cost advantages over me or you. Well, they're buying already at 30, 40% lower in material costs. They can make a profit by buying a property, adding, and they have certain plans that they do over and over again. They add a bedroom and a bathroom and they resurface everything and they have that system down and they can make money by fixing something up. But I believe most homeowners who get involved in it really don't net more money that I've seen 
and I'm not perfect and I don't know everything, but based on my experience, I have not seen them um, uh, profit as a, a, as a state. Certainly they can do it. Uh, and of course, if you like it, if you enjoy it, if you want to learn how to be a fix and flipper, of course I'd help somebody do that and I've done that. But as a general rule, that business I think is oversold because there are companies that are hammers and they look at those people as nails and that's what they're trying to do. I don't believe it's really that they're looking at what's best interest to the client. My job that I say all the time is laser focus on what's best for the client. And if I thought a client could fix up a property and, and get money to cover their costs and the time that they wait and a profit on that that's reasonable for the work, of course I'd recommend that. But that's just, in my experience, very rarely the case. Sabrina, I don't hold either. Okay, Sabrina, thank you. We're friends then, I guess. <laughs> but I know as weird as a realtor, I love flipping property. I just hate owning it and, and the tenant phone calls and all that. Alex, as an investor, how does one make money on probate properties in this market? I see a working realtor on the list, but what about buying property at a discount? How do you get deals right now? Why would somebody sell for less than market? So Alex, good question. There's a couple of reasons why. Number one, um, fix and flippers are always looking for property at what I would call the market price for that property. What do I mean by that? So there are properties for sale in you know, primarily lower income areas, let's say, South LA, that fix and flippers are buying today for, I don't know, 350, and they spend 80,000, they're into it for 430, they sell for 500 or more and make a profit on it. That same property, I find that you could buy for 350, you might find in probate court for a little bit less. Now, if you buy it in the MLS and it doesn't need probate court approval, it's like a regular MLS property. The properties that go to probate court for court confirmation, that buyer has to put up 10% of the purchase price in, in, in deposit and waive all contingencies. So think about that. How many buyers will do that? Well, first time buyers typically won't put up 10% and waive contingencies and then wait 30, 45 days or more, depending on how long court takes. And they probably shouldn't. Many first-time buyers, so for example, just the price differential on selling a property conventional versus FHA is probably three to 5%. So if a fixer flipper buys it, fixes up and resells it, they can make it FHA uh, worthy or FHA qualified. Now buyers can buy with putting three and a half percent down and maybe even getting their closing costs paid for by the seller at a higher price. So to answer your question, Alex, is they're taking a property that's not suitable for first-time buyers or retail buyers and making it suitable for retail buyers. And then in, in the court confirmation cases, those are cases where people bought the property, but they put their money up a few months ago. And most people aren't willing to put up 10% and wait 45 days for a court date. Uh, and if you want to walk in and buy that property at that price, there's opportunities to profit. And the last thing I would say, Alex, is investors make money at the edges. I talk to investors every day. Literally last night, I was talking with my best investors. I hear all the time, their best source of, of properties today. What do you think it is? Who wants to guess what's the best, what's the most common source for investors today buying property? You don't want to guess? Univer put it in the chat box if you have it. If you're online watching it on Facebook or YouTube, you have the answer. Where do you think most investors buy their properties today? I get the same answer every time. Nobody wants to guess? Realtors. Realtors, the MLS. Either they're checking the MLS, they hire their own person in the MLS, or a realtor brings them the deals from the MLS. Number one. So to answer your question, Alex, how, how is that the case? It's at the edges. Some of these probate properties are just, they look at them and some people just ignore them because they say probate or needs court confirmation and they ignore them. Sometimes the properties, I find probate properties are more often mislisted on purpose because the agent is trying to double end it. Question for Chris, how much do I charge to lend to an estate or lend to the heirs? I recall you mentioned you offer the service. So there's two different services. One is lending money, the other is advancing. Lending is a mortgage deed secured by the property. I wouldn't do an unsecured loan to somebody unless I knew them really well. Uh, but mortgages are, you know, depending on the, the market rate for mortgages on a property. Advance is like a payday loan. You're going to get 
two or $300,000 when the probate closes, that could be a year or two down the line. And so the rates are much higher because you're stuck waiting to the end of the probate to get paid. And so most commonly, those are, are gonna advance you $10,000, you pay back 15 or $18,000. It's really a, a large chunk, but that money is, is being lent for at least a year in most cases, sometimes two, three years or longer. I've seen some seven, eight years. And there's no interest. So once, once you agree to those terms, there's no interest past that. Um, have you heard of clients successfully utilizing Curbio? Uh, they offer pre-sale renovations. I've been approached by Curbio, I got approved by Curbio. I've not seen any customers using it yet. So I'm certainly all ears if anybody's used Curbio. These are one of those great concepts. Again, I, I feel like it's, it's going through the, the business world with a hammer looking for nails, calling everybody a nail. Because I don't know that that many clients really, if you're talking about a retail buyer, a retail seller, that might be different. But uh, for a probate where they never owned that property, didn't live in the property, it just didn't seem to be as common. Um, okay, people put their information in the chat box. Thank you. And Ruthers, okay, good. Uh, and then I got another uh, comment on YouTube from Just Call Me Brian. So I don't suggest dual agency for new agents. Absolutely not for new agents. I mean, new agents, you're still learning how to do the business. How can you handle both sides, which by definition is more complicated? Uh, I would definitely not. I would find another agent, refer to them, get a referral fee, uh, but let them handle the client and do all the fiduciary work and be very careful because that's a very risky area. It's very easy to accuse you of not serving your customer when you're a, a dual agent, I think. So I, I would be involved with it. Okay, I think that's all the questions in the chat box and we're coming up on our hour. I do wanna say that there's a cocktail party at five o'clock in Los Angeles for real estate agents. You guys are all welcome to come and said all seasons brewing, which is at 800 South La Brea. So that's La Brea probably just North of Olympic. So I'm gonna head out after this calls over, over there. If you're in the LA area, I wanna grab a drink. If you mention Probate Weekly and see me there, I'll be glad to buy you a beer or buy you a drink there, okay? If you're of age and legal. Um, any last questions before we go? No? Not seeing any. So um, thank you, Sean. Thank you, everybody. We do this every Thursday, four o'clock PM. Next week, I'm gonna be in Florida, special program. I have a special guest uh, that I think you guys will really like. Uh, I'll be hosting it, but we'll be from, I'll be in the state of Florida at that time. I'll be there the following week. I'm going to be there for the Grant Cardone Real Estate Conference in um, Aventura, Florida. Um, we do this every Thursday, 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern time, probateweekly.com. And then on Tuesdays, I do realestateinvestingzoom.com. And feel free to sign up there. If you're watching this uh, on YouTube or in social media, please like it and or put comments in if you have suggestions or topics you'd like to see. I think I answer all the questions or comments that I get. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for supporting this. Have a fantastic week. If I can reach, if I can help you guys reach out to me, again, my phone number 310-210-0008. Make today your best day ever. Thank you so much, everybody.